When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the latest episode of the Step Back Podcast here on Fanside. We usually come to you once a week. We go through the big stories in the NBA, but a bit of a bonus episode today to get you ready for Christmas Day, which in a lot of ways is considered to be the start of the NBA season. So we'll get into the five games that are being played, where these 10 teams are and where they may finish. We're going to be joined a little bit later by guest Mateo Mayorga to go over the Denver Nuggets specifically as we get into the game against the Suns. I'm Ethan Skolnick. You can follow me at Ethan J. Skolnick and at Five Reasons Sports. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all the others. We've also got Brady Hawk. You can follow him at Brady Hawk 305 He's one of my co-hosts on the Five on the Floor podcast, which covers the Miami Heat. But the Miami Heat are not playing on Christmas Day. Heat fans were upset about that, considering that the team was one shot away from the NBA Finals. But that is actually proven deserved, because right now as we speak, the Heaters 16 at 16 uh, before a game against Indiana tonight. So not necessarily worthy of a Christmas Day game the way they performed today. But a couple of these other teams may not be either. And a couple of them uh, would look a whole lot better if their star players were actually playing. So as typically happens on Christmas, it's not always what's projected to be. And you have the other issue this year, which is that you've got a full slate of NFL games. So I do feel like some of the NBA games are going to be overshadowed here. We'll get to the best of them. So let's start, Brady, with the Knicks and the Sixers. And the Knicks are usually the biggest joke on Christmas because they never deserve a Christmas Day game. It's always the worst game. They're always competitive in the first half, and they blow it in the second half. This year's a little different, though. The Knicks are playing better. Jared Brunson's been a great addition, definitely worthy of the second-round pick that they gave up for tampering. And they're playing a Sixers team that still isn't completely healthy at this stage. Which of, well, I guess it's pretty simple. The Knicks are the bigger surprise this year. The Sixers are kind of playing as we expected with their pieces uh, intact. But I guess what, what would be specifically the biggest surprise about each team so far this season? What is it that you didn't expect, either positively or negatively? Uh, well, I'd say I don't think we expected the Knicks to be this good at this point. Or maybe some people did, but I know I didn't. I don't think you definitely did it because I know your your first coach fired uh, pick was the coach of the New York Knicks. Uh, but I think well, it's, I, it's, it was going to be one of the New York guys. So the other guy got it. So we'll, oh, we'll, okay. we'll ignore the Knicks one. We'll let it slide. Uh, I think it's the biggest surprise with them specifically is how good they've been defensively. Like the fact that uh, we've seen them be the best defense in basketball over the last, uh, they're eight and one in their last nine games. Like the, they lost their last game, but they were on an eight game winning streak over that span. And 
they were the best defense in basketball over that span, and they were a top three offense as well. So the fact that they're being you know playing at that level defensively says a lot. Which, as we're setting the tone for this game specifically between the Sixers and the Knicks, like it's going to be a defensive game. You're talking about a team that's literally been the best defense over the last month or so, and the 76ers as a as a season as a whole are the second best defense in basketball. So it's it's two you know high powered defense going at it. Uh, funny enough, before we get into the rest of the games, it's funny because. All the games, I think, that's the first time they're facing each other. The only one that they're not is this Knicks-Sixers matchup. And I think the first time they played each other, the 76ers were like, we're not healthy at all. Like, I don't even think they had Harden or Embiid. So it's like almost all of these games are the first times these teams are facing each other, which is pretty interesting. But uh, so it'll be. I think it's an interesting game because uh, just for the defensive factor, just because it's actually a competitive team. Like you said, it's usually uh, <laughs> like the Knicks are, are on an uphill kind of slope and they're trying to figure themselves out. Now you're talking about two teams that are similar records, fifth and sixth in the Eastern conference. So, uh, but like you said, they're still not fully healthy. They still don't have Tyrese Maxey, who's kind of the, one of the more, probably one of the more fun players to watch if, in this game, if they were all healthy, because I think he's just a fun player to watch in general, but uh, we'll see what happens. The Knicks have been uh, like, I think they deserve credit. Like they've been very good over this recent span. Uh, and it's, it kind of shows the blueprint because I don't think they trust their bench all the way, but like their blueprints of winning games is like they have to have their best three players play at a high level, and they have been. I just don't know how sustainable that blueprint is. Uh, but Julius Randle, RJ Barrett, and Jalen Brunson are all playing really well right now. They're all playing efficiently, which is not a thing we say often because it's kind of those are different players that have been inefficient. Brunson, I think, as you mentioned, giving up a second round pick for the tampering has been huge because I, he's been amazing this season. Like, he has elevated their play in different ways. So, uh, I think it'll be a fun matchup. And obviously, on the other side, and Beaton and Harden are always going to be somebody to match up with. Well, and I think Brunson looks like an all-star right now, too. Um, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. There are a lot of guards in the Eastern Conference that warrant that consideration. I, I think when you look at these two teams right now, you talk about the big three for the Knicks or – well, we kind of mocked it as a big three before the year, but they have played well together, whereas the Sixers have not had their big three the whole season. And that's that's been the difference. They've had Embiid. Uh, Harden has been uh, in and out. And then obviously Maxie's been out for quite a long time. I, I still think that most people would look at this and say Sixers are going to finish with a better record this year. But there are there are paths where that does not occur now at this stage. Right. Like, I mean, I, I feel like if. Uh, first thing, there's always the the, pr the prospect of an Embiid injury. That's just always out there. Uh, but also, you know, Harden and Maxi have to kind of blend their their skills together. Last year, I don't know. It seemed like the more that the better that Maxi played, the more that Harden slipped. But I don't know if that was because of their connection or that was more because of the the shape that Harden was in at that stage of the season. I, if I was to say to you, because we're, we're gonna we're gonna do this with all of these. Uh, percent chance that the Sixers finish with a better record than the Knicks. Oof, percent chance. I would say maybe sixty percent because I I feel like it's close, but I feel like I still give the Sixers the edge just because, like I said, like I I think the Knicks have played really well, but I just think their blueprint for success, even though the defense has been better, which gives me a little bit more hope. I feel like for the offensive side, there's just so much reliance. I guess on those three guys like playing at a high level offensively that if one dips, it, it just like puts more pressure on, on a lot of the other guys. So I think the Sixers do end up finishing a little bit higher specifically when Maxi gets healthy, but it, it's close, which like you said, I don't think we expected it to be at that type of percentage before the season.
All right, let's go to the second one here. We go out west, the Lakers and the Mavericks. We've talked about both of these teams recently. Disappointing in different ways. I, I think that the Lakers' disappointment should have been more expected. Uh, and now you don't have Anthony Davis, just as you were starting to get things together there. The Mavericks, I, I mean, we talk about Brunson, and the Knicks are feeling the impact of that. So are the Mavericks, who, who really have not found a way to replace him. It, it doesn't seem to matter a lot of nights what Luka does. Uh, because the rest of the team has been so up and down. They don't seem to be particularly well-constructed. Uh, but, again, you look at this particular matchup, LeBron on Christmas uh, tends to be tremendous. But you don't have Davis. The role guys are not very good. Um, this feels like the kind of game where the Dallas gets healthy, I guess, uh, against against the Lakers. But then again, they're so, they're so inconsistent that I, I don't even know where to go with them. Yeah, I hate to do this, but I feel like the whole the whole headliner of this matchup is literally LeBron versus Luka. Like, it is yeah. not the Lakers versus the Mavs at all, uh, which I guess from a viewer's perspective, that's a pretty fun matchup. The fact that they haven't faced off this year and, and LeBron versus Luka is two uh, just great players that are fun to watch in this atmosphere. So, uh, But as a team perspective, you mentioned role players, and obviously – I'm not going to put the Mavs on the same level as the Lakers in terms of roster construction, but it's it's similar in the aspect of like building around your your star player, I guess, and, and the, the role player is not living up to those expectations because that's what we've seen with the Mavericks. But uh, I think it's a it's a fun game in general. I think the way that they be able to do stuff, it, it's going to be literally like I'm going to repeat myself: LeBron versus Luca in the aspect of the way they run offenses. Because without Anthony Davis, we see what the Lakers do offensively. LeBron's going to be passive and trying to get the role players going. By a certain extent, he just goes into takeover mode and he's going to get his shots, up, especially like you said on Christmas. We go into the Luka aspect. Uh, the Lakers are not the same defense that they were two weeks ago. Like when Anthony Davis is out there, it's a different thing. You can do different things schematically to throw at Luka, where now it's like, is Patrick Beverly just going to try to annoy Luka all game? That's probably what we're going to see. Uh, it's not going to be as as many like schematic counters, I feel like, and, and throwing different things at him, even though we, he'll probably see a good amount of doubles. But uh it's an it's an interesting game i feel like this is going to be one of those games where it's just luca and lebron probably score a lot of points and uh it's probably a close game in this one but in terms of actual basketball being played i don't know if it's the best game on the slate i think what's interesting about this game is that both of these management slash ownership groups are going to be put on the spot depending on the result, because there's always, I do think that the NFL having a full slate on Christmas day mutes this a little bit because there will be much less media attention, much less social media attention than typically happens. I mean, this game is happening during the middle of the early NFL games. Okay. So I don't know that it's going to get the same kind of rating or again, the same kind of buzz that it typically would. But as you mentioned, it's a referendum game on Luke and LeBron in some ways. And so the topic after it is going to be, ownership and management groups that failed to get them enough help that that's where this is gone. Whoever loses, that's going to be the narrative on this game. Um, it's an annoying narrative in a lot of different ways uh, because I, I look at the Dallas situation. It, it hasn't seemed to me like Mark Cuban's known how to build a team or his, his group there has known how to build a team really since they won the championship in 11. I, I they, they never have seemed to find the right fit around their best players. They don't seem to get the premium free agents. And then they come across someone like Brunson who kind of emerges out of nowhere and they don't do what it takes to retain him. Um, 
I, I think you mentioned the, the whole prospect of watching Pat Beverly on Christmas does not appeal to me, but I, I'll, I'll say in this one, let's not go through the regular season. Cause I, I think it's almost unfair to the Lakers without Anthony Davis for the next month to say, okay, what's the percentage chance that the Lakers finish ahead of the Mavs who goes deeper into the, who has a better chance to make a surprise run in the playoffs? That That's what I would say. Who, who has a better chance to say get to the second round of the postseason, not the play-in, but the second round of the playoffs. I would would still say the Mavericks, just because I don't really trust the roster that you're going to see. First of all, I don't trust the role players on the Lakers roster, but I don't trust what roster you're going to see at that point. Like you just said, is Anthony Davis going to be playing at that point? Like who's going to be healthy? In terms of the Mavericks, like we've seen Luka do it. Like even though he had Brunson and he had, it still wasn't, you know, a superior roster. He's done it before, and he's been able to win series just alone. So I'd still lean the Mavs. I just think when you look at the – we talk about the parity in the West. Like, it's just tough from top to bottom to see it's – like, anybody can upset anybody. Is it truly an upset? Because everybody's just so close in general. So everybody's pretty much aligned, and there's still so much season to go. But I would still say I trust, I guess, the Mavs at this point versus the Lakers. But I'll ask you is – Barring a trade, who would you trust for? Like, like barring anything happens move wise. I, I think barring a trade, it's 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 the Mavericks uh, ahead of the Lakers. I, I can't see that roster, that Lakers roster, getting out of the play in. To be honest, um, I, I, but but I I think that the Lakers are more likely to make the trade. So I'm kind of having it both ways there. But I I do think that the Lakers are more likely to do something. They do tend to overreact to these national television games. Um, you know, the ones that everybody's talking about. I, I like I said, I think the NFL thing mutes it a little bit, but I'm curious to see how that impacts it. If they look pathetic in all ways, it may move them to the direction of we're not going to be trading those two first future first round picks to try to salvage this thing. But if they look competitive and LeBron just doesn't have enough help, and you're like, oh, you can talk yourself into the fact that Anthony Davis is going to be back in three or four weeks then maybe it does push you to make the move. And I also think the fact that the West doesn't look as, and we'll get into the Grizzlies, Warriors, Suns, and Nuggets here in a second, but it doesn't look as imposing as maybe we thought it did. And some of the teams at the top, you kind of look at as more vulnerable because they're not especially experienced. Like you look at the Pelicans, for example, it may move them to make a deal. I I just think that Mavericks, the Mavericks need to go, back to the drawing board and rethink the whole thing. Like it's just like, how are we going to build a team around a guy in Luca? Who's not a plus defender who needs the ball in his hands a whole lot, not an elite three point shooter, but is going to shoot a bunch of them, but can take over games. They need to find better complementary players around him. Whereas the Lakers essentially just catered to LeBron's desires, which went totally against LeBron's strengths in terms of putting together a roster that has no shooting. And I mean, everybody knows what the prescription is with the Lakers. It's just how do they make the moves to get there and what are they willing to give up to do it? The Mavericks, it's not really quite clear what Luka needs, I I think. Uh, To me, that's the difference between the two. And LeBron, there's enough of a track record. If you follow LeBron's career, you know the roster they should have put together. I know that's not the roster they put together. And, you know, he had a lot to do with that. And so I don't really have a lot of sympathy for how that thing has played out. The Mavericks, I think they're still trying to figure out with Luka, but also it still feels to me like Mark Cuban is halfway in with this basketball team and halfway out. It has not felt like he's been as invested in this as he was uh, in previous years. Maybe Maverick fans would disagree with me, but they just, they don't, they don't ever seem to make the move. That's really going to get them over the top these days. We'll see what happens on Christmas day. All right. We're going to get to the, what what is to me the, the marquee matchup 
even though it won't get the most attention. And this one actually falls um, kind of in the second game, second NFL game slate. So maybe by then people will be tired of watching football. The Bucks and the Celtics. The Celtics have come back to earth, though. Uh, since we did the episode on them, you know, having this historic offensive rating, I think they had the worst offensive rating in the league over the past month. I, I just, I just read that. Uh, what's wrong? I mean, because to me, what, what's wrong is not Jason Tatum taking a day off to go see his, you know, his kid's birthday party. That's ridiculous. I mean, th- there's something else that's going on here. But these, these are clearly the two best teams in the in the East right now, uh, regardless of some of the ups and downs. I think most people, I believe if Middleton had been healthy last year, the Bucks are probably in the finals. Uh, where are both of these teams at right now? Yeah, you mentioned being the two best teams in the East, and I would probably say they're the two best teams in basketball right now. Like, that's the way it looks at the moment. In terms of the, the Celtics kind of tailing off, I think we we talked about it early uh, earlier in the season when we were talking about the historic offense. It was like, what was going to happen when Robert Williams came back? Because mm-hmm. you have an historic offense – and you basically lean in the direction of going more spacing, more movement, uh, you know, smaller lineups. Now, you, you know, how you have Robert Williams come back and you kind of get back to those, trying to get back to those defensive principles. And it's like, you really can't have both because you're either going to go bigger and go into the more de- like defensive side of things, or you're going to go smaller spacing, and go offense. So I think it's more of just an adjustment period. I'm not really worried about them figuring it out. Cause I feel like they will over time, but I think, the idea that they were just going to have an historic offense all season based on role players shooting 45% from three was a little wild to predict. But in terms of the, where these two teams are at, uh, you're basically talking about probably the best offense in the league versus the best one of the best defenses in the league, which is we were talking before about the Knicks and Sixers and both being good defenses. Like this is the matchup you kind of want to see. Like how does each team respond? Can, can uh, Tatum and Brown have – days in the mid range because Brooke Lopez is sitting under the rim and deterring them from the rim probably. Uh, but do they, you know, drew holiday mess things up in the pick and roll. Like they've done all season. Like the counter punches these teams can throw at each other is probably larger than any other matchup we could see in the NBA, just because of the versatility they have and the creativity they have on either end. So this is a really fun matchup, I guess. And the bucks, I feel like the bucks are like under like an underrated aspect because the Celtics have been getting like all this talk all season about being the best team in basketball, the best offense ever historically, the best team in the East. And then all of a sudden the Bucks are now the one seed in the Easter conference, even with Middleton, not playing, even with him still having, you know, not been playing, taking games off in general. And they're basically just, just sitting behind Giannis in their defense. Like that's all they're basically doing at this point. They haven't even been like that elite offensively up to this point. So in terms of the matchup, uh, we talk about headliners like Luca versus Braun. Like it's a fun headliner, Giannis versus Tatum, but it feels like it's just so much more than that with this. This is like a like an actual fun basketball game, not a fun matchup. So uh, this is an interesting one. So and this is also the first time they're facing each other this season, mm-hmm. which is pretty interesting. That coming down to the end of December, so uh, I don't think it'll be groundbreaking. Instead of in terms of like when we were talking about Lakers, Mavs, whoever loses, like in in terms of which direction they're going to go with moves, this is basically just kind of a you know a dignity game on Christmas because there's not really much to it in terms of I guess playoff success. Well, a couple of things. Uh, one, I mean the return of Joe Ingles, uh, you know, potentially impactful for Milwaukee. I, the Bucks, you, you hit on it. They remind me of the old Spurs. It's like everybody's looking for somebody else 
uh, who's maybe more interesting to them to take their place. And the Bucks just kind of keep hanging in there, hanging in there, hanging in there. The Celtics have had a lot more variance this year, which some of that is new coach. Some of it is Robert Williams being out, as we've discussed many times. Uh, this is the most interesting matchup of the day, for sure, to me. Um, so I'll, I'll pose this one to you before we get to Grizzlies Warriors. Uh, let's not do the postseason, because the postseason, uh, I mean, I, I picked the Bucks to go to the finals. I'm sticking with it. Uh, the regular season, though, who, who does the one seed matter more to? Do you think not who gets it, but who does it matter more to? Cause it's going to be one of these two teams. Probably Boston, just because I think home court advantage probably lead kind of leans in their favor, I guess a little bit more. Let's say in the Easter conference finals that these two meet, I think that that matters a little bit more, even though we just literally watched the Easter conference finals last year between Boston and Miami, where like nobody could win at home. Like they each team just kept winning on the road the entire series. So maybe it doesn't matter as much, but I feel like it's Boston the question is, I feel like if you pose the question that you posed to me earlier with the Knicks game in terms of who would finish higher, I would probably have a 50-50 split, at least right now, just because it literally probably comes down to health. Because mm-hmm. both of these teams are elite in their own in their own ways, and they'll probably be neck and neck if they were both healthy all regular season. So it's probably an even split, but I would probably lean Celtics in terms of home court mattering more. All right, let's get to the next one. The Grizzlies and the Warriors. A lot of shine off this, too, with the Steph Curry uh, injury. Some more of the focus on, on the Grizzlies at this stage. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. We've seen what the Warriors look like of late. I mean, Steph Curry is one of those guys that, to me, he becomes more of an MVP when he doesn't play. It's just like they, they are completely lost without him. Give me a path for this game being competitive for Golden State because this this is the one – Kind of, even though the Lakers and the Mavs are both disappointing in their own ways, this is the one dog, and it's simply because of the Curry injury. Yeah, the the blueprint. I feel like it, it sounds wild, but it's basically Jordan Poole having a Steph like game, like he had that game in Toronto recently where he had forty one or something like that. That's kind of the blueprint. Like they have to have that type of energy because the Grizzlies are going to bring energy. Like the, I think Dylan Brooks was talking about in a recent post game interview. He was like bringing up the the matchup. And, and, you know, not having that same energy without Steph. And he was like, well, Clay was the one that was uh, the one that was talking trash. Like they, they still are going to bring this energy. So I guess Clay kind of coming with that type of shooting would be a decent start to this. But it's really tough because this uh, honestly, if Steph was healthy, this would probably be mm-hmm. over the, the Bucks and Celtics game, even though we're talking about that being the, the primary matchup. But uh, it's still it's still a fun game in general. I know they were talking about. Before the season, like, no, telling Draymond was telling Ja, like, you have to come play here because we are the champions. You have to come play here. Probably be more fun in Memphis at this moment <laughs> just because of the way they're playing and everything. But uh, John Morant, in terms of, like, must-see TV, like, we could talk about Luka and LeBron. John Morant is, like, as must-see TV as it, as it comes in the NBA nowadays. So uh, it still should be a decent game in terms of players, but will it be a close game? It just – it really depends on Jordan Poole. And we know with him, it, it really is kind of – he's either going to shine or it's going to be really inefficient. So you really cannot predict this type of, of, of offense for the Warriors in this game. All right, for our last one here, we're going to talk about the Sons of the Nuggets. We're going to bring on Mateo Mayorga. You can follow him at Mateo Mayorga 23. He also uh, works with us at the Five Reasons Sports Network. Does some of our Miami Heat coverage, but he's based out in Colorado – 
And we've got the Suns and the Nuggets in in the last in sort of the nightcap game here, uh, which will go under the radar for a lot of people. But we we talk about the West. I mean, it's it's, it's funny. The, the Pelicans have been shoved down our throats for the past couple of years, you know, to get Zion on television. Now, other than obviously the safety protocols he was gone through this week, he's healthy and playing at a high level and he's not on Christmas Day. So and they're actually the number one, you know, they've been kind of bouncing back and forth in the number one seed, a top three seed in the West. The Suns and the Nuggets, though, um, were picked by many, one or the other to possibly get out of the West. The Suns were the best team in the league last year until they lost on their home floor. Uh, and got blown out and and obviously when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping Kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. They got eliminated in the playoffs. Uh, the Nuggets are healthier than they were last year. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to you first, Mateo, on the Nuggets specifically, and and just how this has looked like getting the group back together. I know you picked uh, Jokic to win a third straight MVP this year. He's really picked up his play over the past two or three weeks. But how have the pieces all fit back together again? Well, Ethan, Brady, thank you for having me. They fit great on the offensive end. They have the third highest offensive rating. They look prolific at times because they can shred point of attack defenders, get in the lane and abuse rivals in the post. But really their problems are on the defensive end. They have two minus defenders in their starting rotation. Right now, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic. Jamal gets a little bit of an excuse because he missed all of last season with an ACL injury. Uh, it'll take him some time to get back. He's looked like the player of old in some spurts and other moments. He, he looks like a liability on both sides of the floor. Defensively, the problem with Jokic is when you bring him outside to the perimeter, other opponents could take advantage of his slow lateral speed and really blow by him. And when he's in drop coverage under the rim, a, an opponent that can hit the mid-range shot can really take advantage of the in-between space and hurt him when he's playing in that drop or DeAndre Jordan when he's subbing in for him. They are very good. They're a very good regular season team. They're first in the West. They secure home court are above 500 on the road, but they had too many issues on the defensive end for me to take them seriously. They give up over 114 points a game and the opponent scores 51 points in the box. That's too high for me for me to consider them a true championship contender. Yeah, Brady, when you look at them defensively, uh, they've gone through patches where they played pretty good defense over the past three years uh, under Mike Malone, but not this season is there a fix or is it there need to be a change i mean it's tough i think it's mainly personnel so it's i don't know if there's really a schematic change they can make at this point it was funny like a week or i think it was like a couple days ago i checked it they were like fourth i think fourth worst defense and the teams that they were that were worse than were the spurs pistons and hornets like all the tanking teams are basically the defenses that are only worse than them but uh 
that's a lot of credit to their offense. Like as much as we talk about, we talked about it earlier, how great we were talking about Boston's offense and stuff. And the Nuggets are basically right there. Like they're dead behind them and they're just tied up. And it's funny enough, the first offense is the Suns. So it's these two teams are just high powered offenses. They're about to face off on Christmas. Uh, but I think it's just the way they do it. And uh, they do it very differently in the way they run office in terms of like their bottom three and three point attempts, but they're second and three point percentage. Like the, the way they do it is very odd. And it's because Nikola Jokic is just such a different type of player. Like he could do so many different things. Uh, it, it they, I was looking at some of the stuff, like they run everything through him at the elbow, obviously. And, and they blow every team out in terms of elbow touches. Like they, uh, the Nuggets are at 18.3 the last time I checked, and Memphis was like at 14 in second place. Like they are absolutely doing things <laughs> very differently than everybody else. Uh, and then obviously, I know Mateo was just talking about kind of Jamal Murray getting back into shape. Uh, that pick and roll between them has not even been bad. Like the last time I checked, it was like 1.30 points per possession, the Murray Jokic pick and roll. Like if they could figure that out at some level, uh, that's kind of the, the difference maker here, I feel like. Mateo, you mentioned their great regular season team. Okay. So last year, the Suns were the best regular season team. I mean, they were, they were near historic levels uh, during the regular season. Do you trust either of these teams in the playoffs? I, I trust the Phoenix Suns more. They are probably, I think they're fourth in the Western Conference right now, but they give up, I think, seven fewer points per game than the Denver Nuggets. I, I trust their protection of the paint much more. And I like what they do on offense. They're, they're, I think they're kind of smarter than the Denver Nuggets on offense because um, they really take advantage of when other teams put drop coverage in front of them. When the, the Nuggets have been very fortunate in some of their games, when they've seen opponents like the Washington Wizards, they kept going into the drop and Washington with Will Barton wouldn't keep, wouldn't pull up at all from the in-between territory. I really like the Phoenix Suns more because of the veteran experience of Chris Paul. I really love DeAndre Ayton as a big man. And Devin Booker is my favorite gunslinger in the league because he can hit shots from everywhere. So out of those two teams, the Suns deserve your trust more despite the record no and i feel you and i think obviously a lot of this is kind of the chris paul narrative that jumps in here and so that's that colors everything else but there's also you know the reports of you know some dissension between Aiton and his teammates out there and whether that's gonna gonna work long term uh before we close here mateo we appreciate you taking the time i did want to ask you about about uh michael porter jr Mm. because uh we talk about you know his role two years ago prior to the injury was really significant. So where does that fit now? Because I know you like their role, guys. You like Bruce Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've they've done a good job. Obviously, you know, building. I I like their bench. I, I I feel like I feel like they've got some pieces that they can go to. They've got shooting. They've got they got defense in some areas. Uh, but but Porter feels significant to me, right? Like does does he have to? Because Gordon's been good too. So like, th- does Porter have to kind of get to a level he was at two years ago? No. And I'll I'll tell you what, he's really the icing on the cake. The team has been better with Bruce Brown and his role with Bruce in their last 14 games. They won 10 with Michael Porter Jr. in the lineup out of 16 games. They won nine. Michael Porter Jr. is a very good offensive player. When he was in high school, him, him and Marvin Bagley were the top prospects in the country. He's a possibly the best marksman on this team when he is healthy. But I have a lot of concerns because as a pro, he's had three back surgeries. And since he got his extension in September of 2021, he's played in 20. 
25 games. I really can't rely on him to stay on the court. And I'm really sad to say that because he has a very nice game and his body has betrayed him. But the team has been better with Bruce Brown. And you don't need to force feed him in the offense for him to get 10 to 15 points a night. He'll get him for you in transition, cutting in the half court or crashing the offensive glass harder for a putback. He gets in where he fits in. And, and I think it's more conducive for the way they run their offense to have somebody who's not looking to shot hunt. So Bruce Brown is definitely the better player this year. And whatever Michael Porter Jr. gives them was just extra this year. All right. Following up, Mateo Mayorga, uh, 23. All right, I'm going to give you my, in order, my ranking of the five Christmas Day games, again, which half of the country won't be watching because the NFL is on. But we're going to go through it. Uh, is there any dispute on this? A Buck Celtics first, Suns Nuggets second, Knicks Sixers third, Lakers Mavericks fourth, just for the Luka LeBron intrigue, although the rest of that game doesn't do much for me. And unfortunately, because of the Steph thing, Grizzlies Warriors fifth, whereas that to me might have been first if Steph was playing. Uh, Mateo, you got a different order? Yeah, just just the first two. I think the Suns Nuggets is going to be the best. I think the final box score will be similar to what an ABA game used to look like because these are two high powered teams, like Brady said. But that that's my team. That's my go to game for Christmas. I know it's the last one, but I think it's going to be the most exciting because of all the offense on the floor. Brady. Yeah, I would actually have it probably in your same order that you went through. The only thing that makes me think that the fact that you think Grizzlies Warriors could be the worst game, it's probably now going to be the best game. Oh, no. Jaws no. probably, Jaws going <laughs> for 50. Jordan Poole's going to match it. So that pretty much tells you. But I would probably have it the same way. But I wouldn't be surprised, honestly, if the Lakers Mavs game is the worst game. Just because I just, I, I feel like that game is going to be a mess. Yes, I feel like that could be the case as well. And again, like I said, that's right in the middle of the early NFL games, so maybe there won't be as many people paying attention. Uh, Mateo, we appreciate you. Follow me, Mateo Mayorga, 23. Brady Hawk at Brady Hawk 305. I don't have a number after my name. I'm just EJ Skull, e, or Ethan J. Skull at, or at five. Well, I do. Five Reasons Sports is at the very beginning. Uh, we may take a week off from the step back here, um, let everybody recharge a little bit, but back at the start of the year. Enjoy Christmas. Enjoy the Christmas Day games. Uh, and hopefully they give you a show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.